This is the Ronin Rabbit, a Usagi Ojimbo fan podcast. I'm your host, Ed Moore, and this is episode 90. Teal, T-E-A-L Productions on Twitter is where you can tweet me. BigTimeNoise.com slash Rabbit, the website. UsagiPodcast at gmail.com is the email address. The Ronin Rabbit has a page on Google+, and I post the episodes on Facebook on the Usagi Yojimbo Dojo Facebook page. The book today I'm looking at is Usagi Yojimbo Volume 3, Issue 16, dated November 1997. The story title, Grasscutter Chapter 2, Haiki Gani. Now, uh, most of the people we've seen, uh, Genosuke, Hosoku, Inazuma, they all remain from the previous issue, as do Kotetsu and Ryoko. Uh, we found out a little bit more about Ryoko. We find out she's a witch. Uh, and she has someone under her uh, thrall some way, or maybe something that she created that she calls Kitanomono. And we also have an appearance, this issue, by the Nico Ninja. So the story opens right where issue 15 left off. We are uh, in with Kotetsu and Ryoko as they're convincing their co-conspirators that they have a way of taking over and inserting the former emperor. And this involves the Haiki Crab or the Haikigani. Um, It's a part of a story that I believe I spoke on a couple episodes ago concerning the um, naval battle at Dano Ura. The losing side lost um, many, many, many more lives than the winning side, but also they lost several treasures, the three of which combined would ensure that whomever possessed them had the power of the emperor. Two of those treasures have been found over the years. The third that was lost and has not been found yet was the grass cutter sword. The crabs are said to be inhabited by the souls of those on the losing side that died. And so with their help, Kotetsu, excuse me, uh, believes that, that he has a way of finding the sword, completing the trilogy of sacred objects, and ensuring a win for his his emperor. As we're going through, we find that one of the um, eight or seven co-conspirators, he is the eighth Kotetsu, uh, a Lord Oku, is not convinced of the plan, and with a sleight of hand, Ryoko uh, gives him the, the whammy, uh, okay, the, the, the stank eye, the whatever you want to call it. I believe what she does is either subverts his will or possesses him completely and then undoes it at Kotetsu's command. And the Lord Oku says, where am I? As he's down on his hands and knees trying to clear his head, I, I felt I was drowning in icy waters. So that's whatever the effect she has on him. So having shown her power and outlaid his plan, the rest uh, decide that they are with him and they leave so that Kotetsu and Ryoko can continue the preparations and that Kotetsu has more plans than just seeing the emperor back rightfully on the throne. 
as Kotetsu and Ryoko are discussing things, uh, something draws the witch's attention, and we flash outside and we see a Nico Ninja who has been eavesdropping and now decides that he has enough information. He needs to go back to the ninja and report to Chizu. And we're also reminded that the list, again, I discussed several episodes earlier, a list of conspirators, these eight men being some or all of the list, uh, has been stolen by Chizu, and she has it to try to prevent you know, try to keep things as peaceful as they can be kept. But we see that this conspiracy is moving forward despite, you know, the the listing and whatever had been going on previously. Things continue moving forward. So this ninja is going to try to, to go back and take this information to Chizu, uh, particularly that there's a witch involved. On his way back to his clan, he is waylaid by... Kitanamono, uh, or a Kitanamono, I'm not sure if it's a proper name or a noun, uh, attacks the ninja, kills the ninja, takes it to back to Kotetsu Ryoko, receives further instructions, and goes on his way. The main piece of information is that the Niko ninja work for Lord Hikiji. And so now Kotetsu has a a known enemy that is trying to prevent the furthering of his plans in Lord Hikiji. So he, he has a target now that he can uh, handle and, and try to do things to, do things with. All right, we cut back to Genosuke and Hosoku being led by the local magistrate into town. Along the way, one of the magistrate's men starts talking to him says, Sir, uh, this... Genosuke is is nothing. Um, we don't need to do anything with him, and, and honestly, we, we don't really know that we can do anything with him, but if he is here and claims a reward for killing the bandits, we won't get that reward. If he's not here, we can say we claim the bandits, and we can claim that reward for, for our town. So the magistrate lets Genosuke go, uh, who carries on his way, mumbling, grumbling, whatever, and he mentions Inazuma, uh, so one can assume that in his freedom, uh, in that every way he has turned, he has not made money that he wanted to make, he will now try to bring in Inazuma, who apparently has a, uh, a ticket on her head as well. So he presumably goes off looking for her. We continue with the magistrate and his cronies and a uh, restrained Hosoku. They are attacked... Uh, very outnumbered by the the rest of or another portion of Hosoku's gang, who ultimately win free Hosoku. Now we cut to Inazuma, who is taking a bath at a steam bath uh, facility or a hot springs facility. Uh, Genosuke has tracked her down. He jumps out to uh, restrain her, and she's nowhere to be seen. Sneaks up behind him. They have a little banter back and forth. They attack each other. She seems quite capable of defending herself, as we know that Genosuke uh, is no slouch. And and we see that again here in a minute, as a matter of fact. But she does a good job. She probably is going to win, except at one point she slips on the wet ground and falls and strikes her head, knocks herself unconscious. Um, Apparently, and again, a little bit later we see rather severely unconscious. Major 
um, what do they call that? Concussion, major concussion. So, um, as he is recovering himself, he, uh, Genosuke, is waylaid by the Hosoku Bandit Group. In the melee, Genosuke notices that Inazuma uh, has left, so apparently she was as, wasn't as injured as he thought, perhaps, that she had been. But Genosuke makes um, makes work. I wouldn't say quick work, necessarily. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. 12 of these uh, ruffians, including Hosoku, Genosuke dispatches. At that point, he turns his attention to finding Inazuma, who now has, as I said, wandered off. So we cut to her. We see her very difficultly making her way somewhere, uh, trying to get away from the hot springs is all she knows. Uh, Definitely because Genosuke... First of all, because she's hurt. But she knows that Genosuke is there. She may well have heard that the bandits showed up, so she doesn't know in that battle who won. So she's trying to, to... get away and hide, ultimately collapsing somewhere in the forest on the path, only to be found by Jay and Keiko. Uh, Jay, who finds it very amusing, laughing, for three panels, laughing, with he's and ha's. We cut to Usagi, who is in the home of a young bear, it looks like, that he rescued, named Jiro, rescued from the after effects of the earthquake in the previous issue. So he is at that family's home eating fish soup. And apparently Usagi likes the fins in fish soup because he asks for more. He talks with the father about the Battle of Den-Ura. Brings, us, br- brings that back to mind, having read it three or four issues prior. Um... Telling, though, he asks, uh, Usagi does, what would you do if you found the lost sword? And the father says, why, sell it to the highest bidder, of course. Usagi retorts, but don't you have any loyalty to the emperor or the shogun? And the father, bah, what have they to do with poor peasants like us? To us, one ruler is just as bad as another. And Usagi, we see him thinking, hmm, holding little Jiro, who has fallen asleep after playing uh, hard with Usagi. Later that night, Usagi is again overlooking the bay where the Battle of Den-Noura occurred, thinking to himself, uh, it's under there somewhere, in reference to Grass Cutter. And no doubt it will stay there for another 500 years, uh, alluding to the fact that, no, it won't. Our final set of panels is Kotetsu and Ryoko as she prepares to cast a spell that looks like she is controlling the um, Heike crabs and having them search the bay for any remnant of the sword itself. Now, in our letters column, uh, Mr. Sakai tells us that the Heike Gani or Heike crab, and then he gives the um, biological name, which I'm, I'm a biologist, but I don't try to pronounce those outright if I can help it because they do not sound like they look. So I try not to pronounce them if I can help it in public. Uh, 
uh, has on its carapace the image of a scowling human face. According to legend, these crabs are the ghosts of the Haiki warriors who died during the sea battle at Danura, which uh, was detailed in issue 14. Uh, I thought it was a little farther back, but okay, 14. It uh, goes on to tell us about the crabs, why they're shaped that way, and that the Terra Volume 31, Number 4 from the Los Angeles Natural History Museum is a good source for information on the crabs, and that Japan Day by Day, 1877 to 1883 by Edward Morris, has drawings and a history of the crabs as well. We go on and we, we have some other terms dropped here. Um, kissing is indeed a foreign custom based on a comment in a letter. Hence Usagi's further puzzlement when Chizu plants one on him, if you remember back then. It was called Seppan and was probably introduced by Portuguese traders. He then remarks a little bit about shurikens and different types of shurikens. Um, talks about the issue of, uh, or the, the story entitled Green Persimmon. And then some other upcoming things to keep your eye out for as far as Usagi's appearances. So we were introduced to the Haiki crabs, uh, which I believe that was mentioned at the end of that story about the battle. The word meiju is shown us, which translates to witch. And one I didn't mention yet, uh, Mikado, which is the honorific title for the emperor, um, is referred to as the Mikado. All right, guys, that's all that I have for this issue and episode. Next time, episode 91, I will be giving my thoughts and hopefully a, uh, a decent rundown of Usagi Ojimbo Volume 3, Issue 17 from January 1998. Talk to you guys then. Ciao. The Ronin Rabbit Podcast is a Teal production and as such is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-commercial, non-derivatives, 3.0, unported license.